Welcome to Voice of Migration, Voces Migratorias, the podcast that shares stories of human movement and explores the topic of migration beyond the headlines. I'm Daniel Schwarzman, the host of today's episode, our first in English. Next week's will be in English as well. Un breve nota. Este episodio y el próximo están en inglés. Si quieres escuchar los episodios en español, vuelve a feed y buscar los que llevan titulares en español. Today's guest is Jacob Shekro. Jacob is an Israeli who, after growing up and building a life in his homeland, hit a crossroads, a time of crisis in his personal and professional life, and needed a change. So, after a chance stop on a boat trip halfway around the world, he decided he would move to Spain, and specifically to Valencia. The story of how he ended up here, how he found his place here, and why he feels so at home here is a unique one, a story tied up in heritage and past lives and intuition. I think you'll enjoy hearing Jacob recount how he got here and how he holds on to his identity in all of its different shades. Jacob, welcome to the Voice of Migration. It's nice to have you on the podcast, our first English language episode. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, we can speak in Spanish as well, but let's talk in English for the English speaking. That's, we need to expand our audience, so it's great. So I want to just start, I actually want to start before we get to Spain, and we, we met in Valencia, and you're here in Valencia, but you're from Israel, and I guess I'm curious, Israel being its own country of immigrants and people who moved there, what's your story with your family coming to Israel? What, were they your parents or... Does it go further back? How long back do you feel? My parents, my parents immigrated to Israel. My mom was born in India, and she came at the age of 12 to Israel. Both of them arrived at 49. Okay. And my father was born in Turkey, and when he moved to Israel as well, he was 15 years old in 49. Wow. Okay. Wow. So, in India, where if where in India was she living? She was born in Calcutta. Okay. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, again, I imagine when you're growing up, I, so many people came in 1949 or just in general came to Israel. So there's not that. Did you, when you were growing up or when you presumably served in the army or whatever else, did you, were you expecting to be staying in Israel? Like, how did you view your place in the world? Were you very sort of focused on being in Israel, becoming a... When I grew in Israel, yeah, I thought I'm going to live in Israel. As a kid, you never think, you don't think as, as I'm, okay, I'm planning to move as a child. Especially when I experienced, uh, when I was nine years old, we experienced my first war experience. And so it's, it's, it's quite hard to experience it and to have some memories from that, even though that nobody heard, but the, the stress, the emotions, all these memories, the voices which I heard, the sounds which I heard. I heard the, the voice of Cairo speaking Hebrew saying, we're going to conquer you, we're going to kill the men, rape the women, and like that, and throw you to the sea, basically. So that's, that's my memory. And I heard that my own ears in the radio, in the, the Cairo radio, which was stronger transmitter even than the Israeli radio at the time. But yeah, so... Just for geographically, were you where were you living in Israel? Where did you grow up in Israel? I grew up in the outskirts of Tel Aviv, in the center of Israel. So it's quite center. Yeah, just just but, so strong radio signal. As, but as a child, I I, I lived in Neilat and Tiberias, and so it's like. So yeah, and obviously. We're not going to go into the whole history of Israel, but obviously that creates a lot of understanding of what it means to be part of a country, et cetera. But so when did you start, when did it start to occur to you that you could live somewhere else? Well, actually, my mom moved when I was about in my 20s. She, my mother was after cancer and she had issue, health issues, cancer. And she decided to change her life and she moved to English. She got, she had a British passport being born in India. And she decided to move, she moved to England to see whatever issues there was. And she decided to move there and she started living life. My father used to do 
תל אביב לונדון פריקוונטלי, As things started to change in my life, when I, I worked, everything was fine. I had a good job, a good job. I, had, I was the owner of the company. I was a partner. My father started the company. He had these partners. And I was in the second company partner with the sons of the other partners. So job-wise, everything was perfect. We had a good job, a house, university, family, creating family after the military service. So everything is like normal life. But then uh, life is showing us, teaching us new experiences. And I had four crises that happened to me at the same time. And that was about 25 years ago. And it was so hard and I couldn't find, it was emotion and financial, even though that financially I was, I, I lived well, not surviving it, not even in level. I almost say surviving, it's the wrong word. But I lived well, not, there wasn't any issue. But I had some business, I had to close, I had some uh, debts with the bank and I was sued. That was one of the crises by the bank. And silly stories, because it's not, it was not even a huge amount of money that I owed, but it was big at the time. And when I couldn't solve the issues, the only solution was for me that I thought about ending my life. So that was a huge crisis. I closed myself. Now we, we, now we have the closure with the corona. That's nonsense. That's seriously nonsense. That even I closed myself then at that time for almost nine months. And in the house, I, probably I was depressed, but I was not even treated, not medication, nothing. But, but I came out. I got some... insights which helped me to overcome my issues and I came out from what I called my cave and when I came out from that cave I decided I need to change you know there is a saying in Hebrew saying new place new luck so I said okay I'm going to use that sentence I'm going to check it out Uh, but I didn't know where I'm going because I knew that England is not an option. First of all, it's too cold for me. I don't like the rain and, and the cold, for me at least. The second option, I was elder than 18 or 14 years old, so I couldn't work there. I needed to start all the procedure. And as being a diving instructor and a commercial professional skipper, I delivered a yacht, a big yacht. I was in a crew. Delivering a, bo- a boat, a yacht, 35-meter yacht from, that was Nova Scotia, Canada. And we were supposed to end in Seychelles, but it has to stop in Israel. It was bought by an Israeli company, and it has just stopped in Israel for a day or two or whatever. And eventually I had issues in my business with the partners, so I had to get off the ship. And I remain in Israel, but I delivered the ship five weeks that we crossed from, from Nova Scotia crossing the Atlantic and the Mediterranean. So wait, wait let me, I, this dive instructor, so you, so you worked on, you worked in a company that, a shipping company or a company that owned? No, 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 I didn't work there. The only, the only connection I had with the company is when I had my crisis and I wanted like to refresh my, like, relaxing my mind. So I was looking for escape. I was looking for a way to escape out. So I wanted to do something different. And I called that company that they are in Seychelles. I said, listen, I need for a while, for a month or so, I'm looking for a job. I'm a skipper. I'm a professional diving instructor. Do you have any job for me? He said, oh, yeah, that sounds good, because right now we, have, we need to bring a ship from Canada to, to Seychelles. I said, yes, I'm in. So do you want to think? I said, I already said, yes, I'm in. And basically, I, I met the partner, and, and they said, fine, you're going. And they sent me to Canada, and I went on the ship. So it's, but I didn't work as instructor. I had my company. I had another company, one of which I closed. That was my personal company, which was a textile company. And the company which I worked with my father. So that was the other. That's the big one. That's the main job. Job, if you can call it a job. I never had the job. So it's, I don't really know what a job is. But 
so you're on this trip that's essentially going around the I mean Nova Scotia to Seychelles is about as much around the world as you can get you know in one direction then you're you stop in Israel but at that time you're thinking about changing your scenery getting a new start and you have a family at this point already or you are no, I had a family. I was divorced at the time. Part of one of the crises was that I got divorced. That was ah, okay. one of one of the four crises. Okay. And okay. Then, uh, but no, the story the, the story about the, the moving to Spain actually came on that voyage when we stopped in Gibraltar. Okay, we stopped for a couple of hours, like half a day, in Gibraltar, and next to us there was uh, a Spanish ship. And um, my ex-wife, she, was, she is from Argentina. And I thought I, I knew Spanish. I thought I'd been, I was there like twice and I thought I knew Spanish. And beside, I'm what is called Sephardic. The Sephardic speaks Ladino, which Ladino is a dialect. The, the Sephardic are the Jews who were expelled from Spain 500 years ago in 1492. Okay, so my family lived in Spain in 1490, before 1492. And they had to expel when the Catholic kings came while ruling in Spain and with Inquisition. They gave the Jewish people here only in Spain three options. Or you convert to Christianity, or you move out or you die. And so uh, my family expelled, so they went out. But that skipper, and it, it, there was some stories, some weird, strange story, because my father arrived to Gibraltar at the same time that when I was. It's a long story. We won't go there. But, but just the, 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 the top of it, like on, on the top. And my father was there, and he spoke Ladino. He speaks the, the ancient Spanish. So the Ladino basically is the, the language that was kept by the Jewish people that were expelled from Spain and was not affected by the evolution of the language. So it's the old Spanish and the linguistics here in Spain, they actually searching and looking and learning to know. And basically something interesting actually in, in, the, in the academic level, because this is the only opportunity in the world that you can know exactly how the language 500 years before was was spoken. This is the only case in the human history, okay, that you know exactly how people speak that language. So Ladino, you know, and a lot of people will be familiar with Yiddish, which is the is sort of what Ashkenazi yeah. Jews which Ashkenazi, is. the North European Jewish that lived in Germany, Russia, Poland. Poland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's, uh, there's, it's sort of German, but it's a dialect. It has, it's written in Hebrew. And so Ladino, I, I believe, is Ladino written in Hebrew as well? No. Or is, no. no. Okay. Ladino it's not. Is not written in Hebrew. Okay. And so, but it, so it didn't, I remember reading stories about even in Morocco, for example, in Shefshawan, there were, when the Spaniards overtook it, they were surprised to find a group of Jews there speaking in old-fashioned Spanish. And so Ladino didn't evolve. You're saying Ladino didn't evolve over the last four to five years. Ladino, during the five, more than 500 years, never evolved. And, and it basically took seven, because the Ladino was mainly was spoken by the Jewish people in the Balkan countries, Turkey, Greece, and Bulgaria. Okay, so it was like a common language, like the Yiddish. Okay, so this is something that you can meet Jewish people all over the world, wherever they are, wherever they travel, always you can find some, some people to connect with, with these ancient languages, these old languages, or dialects, if you can call it like this. And was... you? I think you said your mother was Sephardic as well. Was Did she have... Was she a Ladino speaker or? No way. Because this, as I said, this was spoken only in the Balkan countries. Okay. And those who, yes, because when there was the expulsion from Spain 500 years ago, Jewish fled towards North Africa, Morocco, 
they went, they moved, they were asked to go to Portugal. They, they were getting some protection by the, Port, the, the, the Portuguese king. They moved to, no, later from Portugal, they moved towards Holland. But the majority fled interior, Mediterranean inside, like east, towards Sardinia, towards uh, Turkey, Bulgaria, all those countries, which were quite easy for them to go there. But some of the Jewish, actually, this is an interesting story if we're talking about the Jewish history. Some of the Jews as well moved to the Caribbeans and they become pirates. And this is an interesting story because seamanship and Judaism is not very common. Okay, you can say seamen, the English people, the Dutch, the Spanish, whatever. But suddenly we see that after the expulsion, Jewish people that reached to the, Car- the Caribbeans becoming seamen. And they own, they bought ships and they become pirates and they start, start to attack the Spanish and the Portuguese ships because as a revenge. And we know that it's known because there was a, a letter written by the Spanish Admiralty to the English Admiralty, which was controlling the Caribbean countries where there's the Jewish pirates were, and asking them to stop the Jewish piracy. And you can, you can go to different, I think in Curaçao and other islands, you can find some graveyards with the, the piracy symbols and Jewish names, very typical Jewish names on the graves. So it's like, hmm, okay, interesting. So you're in Gibraltar, carrying on that legacy of Jewish seamen on your yacht. Your, your father is there. Your father's a Ladino speaker. So what, what happens? Is he connecting with the Spaniards? So the, the, Spanish, the Spanish captain, the Spanish skipper that the ship was next to us, uh, we start talking with him. I start t- speaking with him, and my father was like, and I was doing some, if they didn't understand really exactly the words, so I was like interfering. But, but the story was that the Spanish skipper said, oh, you're Sephardic. So there is a law in Spain that you can come back and live in Spain. And he said that the law was given in the celebrations of 500 years to the expulsion by the King Juan Carlos, who asked forgiveness for the Jewish people. And he said that their kids can return and live in Spain. Now, that was interesting, but it was not that interesting because he said so, but there was not any law about it. Okay, there was nothing in the law. So there, nobody knew about it regarding aspects, the law aspects. And I didn't really think about Spain. I never been in Spain before. I never thought about Spain. So I didn't speak Spanish really. I knew a few words. I thought I know more, but I didn't. And I didn't think about Spain. But then two years later, after that voyage, after it's like, for me, like what we say, it's came in, came out there, okay, right. from the other side. Like yeah. it was not really in injured. one ear and out the other, yeah. Exactly. And and I think it, I think it was about two years later. I said, I'm moving to Spain. Just like that, because uh, without. But, yeah. Okay. If I can go there, and that Spanish guy said that we are welcome now, and I can, and because I'm Sephardic, my ancestor lived in Spain, so I can go and live in Spain. Now, what a regular person you will do when he is moving to another country, probably is going to the embassy, is going to check what are the rights, what are the possibilities, what he should do. Actually, I didn't do any of that. And I decided, okay, I'm moving to Spain. Like that. And when I decided, I was sitting at home in Israel, and I said, like, but where in Spain? Spain is a huge country. I never been there, but Spain is a huge country. And I sat at home. I took this Spanish map. I put it on the floor. It was too big for this the table. And I did a meditation, kind of meditation. Sat on the floor next to it. Close my eyes and say, "Okay, you know what? God guide me and tell me where I need to go in Spain." And you direct my finger. So I was like moving my finger and I put my finger. I opened my eyes. It was written Valencia. Said, excellent, it's near the sea at least, because I love the sea. So that's it. That's that's the story, how I decided Valencia, how I decided Spain. 
Right. Yeah. Fortunately, you keep your Mediterranean. It's it just now you have sunrise over the Mediterranean instead of sunset. Yeah, exactly. From it's Tel Aviv. just the opposite of what I used to the sun direction, but it's the opposite. But true. Yeah, but it's still. Yeah. And so you come to Valencia. First of all, I guess there's two aspects. And what year is this, by the way? Is this, it's, it's our... If I remember correctly, that was 1997 or 98. Okay, okay. I don't remember exactly. And when I decided my father was supposed to be in the hospital in London, and he asked me to join him, to be with him, because he was supposed to be operated, major operation, and he asked me to be with him. So I, came to, I went to London. And when I arrived to London, my father said, you know what, I decided not to do the operation. Okay, if you would tell me that before I just took the flight, I could stay in Israel. But okay, but since I'm here now, and I was supposed to be there, I think like three or four weeks, I don't remember, but it was supposed to be amputated, one leg, because of diabetes. And I said, you know, I'm here. Since I already decided I'm moving to Valencia, at least I'm close by, nearby, like England, London to, to Valencia, it's two hours flight. So I said, you know what, I'm going to visit Valencia. But we're in Valencia, like, I don't know anyone, I don't speak the language. So I booked a flight, I rented the car, I booked like a, a pension in the center of Valencia. I can take you there, it still exists. It was a small pension. I took my backpack. And I drove, I took, I reached to Valencia Airport, first time in Spain. I took the car and I started searching. And we're talking about pre the GPS time. Okay. There was no GPS at the time. So I'm having some kind of map and I'm trying to get to that pension to reach there. And I see that I'm just circling the same avenidas again and again and again. And I'm like, what the hell is going here? What my ideas, my silly ideas, what I'm doing here? And I said, okay, you know what, relax. And I was sitting next in the road that going towards uh, Alicante. I remember the place, it's, it's like, it was like written in my mind. And I stopped there the car. I was sitting in, in upset that I cannot find. And I, and I see that I'm repeat, returning on the same avenidas again and again, and we, without able to go inside, I said, okay, let me relax, let me calm down. I was doing like kind of meditation, five, 10 minutes, and 20 minutes later, I was next in the, in the hotel, in, in wherever that pension that I was. So it's like, okay, I dropped my bag on the bed, I decided to go down to see where I am. It was in the center of Valencia, not far from the town hall and all that. And I remember that I crossed one of the streets, this, the same street with the, the ceramic museum. I forgot the name. Yeah, Poeta Carol, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I just crossed the street, like going in the corner, and, and I've seen a sign on the building. It was written Abogado. So, oh, that's what I need. That's, it's a word which I knew because my ex-father-in-law was Abogado in Argentina. So I said, fine, at least I know what there is there in, in the office. So, so I knocked the door and asked in Spanish, you speak English? I said, yes, of course. That's a sentence which I knew. And it's funny, but it, it, that's the story. And I said, okay, blah, blah, blah. And I start telling the story. Look, I came here because I'm moving. I decided to move to Valencia. I'm a Sephardic and I'm, I'm giving my story. And he's looking at me. So how can I help you? I said, I need your help to move, to arrange, you know what I need to, to move here, all the papers and all that thing. He said, look, I don't deal with that, but I have a friend. Do you want me to arrange a meeting with you, between you and my friend? I said, yes, of course. When do you want? In a week? I said, no, tomorrow. What do you mean a week? I'm Israeli, not in a week. Now, <laughs> that was afternoon, so that's too late. But, and it was so funny because I took the car, which I, it was parked good. And I'm searching for the address and I parked around the, near the, the flower shop in the parking around the, the town hall, the park, the 
center where you cannot park. And I went to the lawyer walking. So actually I could walk there from where I was to that lawyer, but I didn't know that. So I, th- I thought I needed a car. And when I came back, the car was not, it was towed. So it was a nice welcoming. But that lawyer, the other lawyer, which the first one directed me, he didn't, he didn't speak English. So he sent me to his friend, to his partner, actually. And I met that partner. He speaks English. And up till today, we're friends and we're still, I'm working with that lawyer. Okay, so that's over 22, 23 years now. So yeah, it's, it was, I asked him, he said, look, he looked at me, I told him the story, what, said, okay, we'll arrange that, we'll find a way to arrange that. I don't know now how, but we'll find a way. And I said, fine. He said, what are, you going, what are your plans? What are you going to do? I said, I'm going to travel now along the coast, that visit. And he said, and, and all my plans was based on checking the maps, knowing, understanding, reading the maps. And I said, I want to see the coast. And I took, actually, I planned this trip from Castellón down to Cartagena. That was my first trip. So a good chunk of the Mediterranean coast or the East Mediterranean coast. Yeah, we're talking here more than 700 kilometers, like in a week time. Okay, so it's like fine, which is not bad. And he asked, do you want me to come with you? I said, don't you have work to do? What do you mean? I said, no, 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 I'll, I'll manage. I'll be in a week here. I came for 10 days and I went there and I fell in love. Actually, it's so beautiful, the area. It's so beautiful, the coastline, the Costa Blanca. It's amazing. And I remember every, every Christmas, I used to send him a, a Christmas card. Just to, you remember me? I'm still here. I'm still in the plant that's still here. And that's it to use in. I ended, we closed the business. We sold our shares in the company in Israel. That was 31st of December, 99. And 3rd of September, 3rd of September, 2000, I took the flight to London. I reached there. I went to Belgium. I bought a car in Belgium. I drove back to London. I took my stuff and some more and started driving to Valencia. That's it. That's my arrival. There are two things I want to ask you about. I mean, it's a great story. The two things that I, I'm, it took you two years from that visit or whatever it was to one year. Was that because you, yes. So did you have to, was it because you had to wind down your life essentially in Israel or was it because you had to go through the process of proving, because my understanding of the Sephardic was you, I mean, you have to get a rabbi to attest to the fact that you're Sephardic, like, I've joked about how my family is Ashkenazi and I look very Ashkenazi. Like, it's fun to think that I would not be Ashkenazi, but it's not true. And so what was the cause of the two-year gap? Was it just you needed time to get stuff together or was it? The- uh, it, it was more, the two, three years, actually. The reason that I, I needed that two, three years is because I need to end things in, in Israel. Okay, we had our company and we had, we were selling our shares in the company. My father and me. Okay, so we sold it to the partners. We had, uh, it was a long process. It took a long time. And basically, it took me since the day that January 1st, 2000, I was, I called it, I said I was a free man. I was no, with no obligations, basically. I had the money, I had no obligation, no work. But I took a course. I had to finish some course, which I took. So that needed time to end close things. That's it. And the funny story, the funny story is, like when I went on the flight, a few weeks before that, because I decided I'm moving to Spain. So I closed everything which I had. I, I sold the car which I had, the house I lived in, my parents' house, because they were like London more, more, most of the time, and I was divorced. So I was, and I gave, left my house to my ex-wife and kids. So I was like, I had some things, personal things. That was one of the things which I brought from Israel, that, that bookshelf. And because I created that in my hard time. Okay, I carved it and I did that wood job, woodwork. 
And so I had like, I think it was about 400 kilos, diving equipment, photography equipment, slides, which I had, the old vinyl records, books. So it's my personal things. Like I said, I'm moving to Spain. I'm, I'm not, I'm closing the page. I'm closing a book, starting and opening a new book. Did you feel that way? Like, was that an emotional feeling too? Were you just like, Israel is going to stay behind. I am a new Jacob. I am... Spain is my new or Israel is never stays stays behind because I have kids there. Okay. So it's not not something that you can leave and say, okay, close the close the lock and turn throw it to the sea. It's not. So the thing is, is like, yeah, I, but I'm starting a new chapter in my life. And the chapter, but I knew that I'm going there. I didn't have any legal papers at the time. But I I you know the story, there is a story about Alexander the Great. I, I didn't know that time. I didn't know the story that time. Okay, Becoming a personal development coach and, and mentor and, and doing my stuff, so I learned about it. The story is like when Alexander the Great is, is going to fight and he's coming with his military and his army and he's going with the ships and they go on the beach and he puts all his army like looking with the back to the enemy, and they're looking towards the sea, and he stands with his back to the sea, and he set the ship in fire, on fire. And he said to his soldiers, we came here to fight. There's only one option. Or we conquer, or we be defeated. That's your decision. And I think I did in the same way what in my life, I did the same thing. Okay, I said, I'm moving. I'm closing everything. It's not like I'm it's not like it's an option of going back. I'm I'm just moving. Okay, I'm taking all the things which are important for me, all the things which I like, my personal things, and I'm moving to a new country. Okay. Now I didn't speak Spanish. I knew no one except of David of that lawyer. Okay, so that's the only one. But at the time, I didn't even know if he remembers me or if something happened to him. I didn't know anything. Two, three years, I'm not in contact besides of sending him like cards, but I don't know if it's reached the, to their direction. So I don't have any knowledge. And when I decided I'm doing the transferring, sending my stuff in a sea company by, um, by sea to the Valen Valencia port, and they came to pick up the things, whatever, I think it was 400 kilo. And he asked me, okay, can I have the address in Valencia? He said, I don't have. He said, what do you mean you don't have? He said, I don't have any address. He said, do you want me to leave everything here? Because I cannot take anything if you don't give me address where it's supposed to go. You know what? Wait, wait a second. And I searched for the business card of the lawyer. And I said, okay, you know what? That's the address. I don't know about anything about it. I didn't know if, you know what, I'll be extreme. I didn't know if he's still alive. And I didn't know if, like, I'm sending now stuff to a person that I don't really know. Okay, all my personal stuff. And, and when I came to Valencia, I arrived even before that, before the, the staff arrived to the Valencia port. When I drove, I said that I drove from London. My father told me, you hey, know what, take it the mobile, take my mobile. So you have some contact on the way. So I took his my UK mobile, and in Castellon, I called David, like the lawyer. I said, hey, David, how are you? Do you remember me? Yes, yes, of course. I said, okay, fine, I'm in Castellon. Tomorrow I'll be in Valencia. I'll stay the overnight there, on the, whatever. He said, okay, come to the office. Like, and I said, oh, by the way, when I met him, there is shipping directly to this address. Look at me like, really? Okay. Yeah, but as I said, we're still friends and, and it's amazing. And, and everything went like it was planned to be. Everything seemed, you know what? If I would have to plan it, I don't think I would make it the way it was. So what was, when you arrive, you have David, you have, you're saying it planned, like what, how did you find 
Spain because it's one thing to come to a city like Valencia, which is, we did more or less the same thing. You visit the city and you fall in love with it and then you end up deciding, well, that's where we're going to live. And we had been to other places in Spain. We had some experience in Spain in general, but still it was sort of, it wasn't so far from pointing at the map and saying that's where we're going. How did you, when the reality comes in and you're actually living there, you say everything worked out. So like, what was the, did you find, were you finding community? Were you finding, did you feel comfortable with the language? Like how did, how's that whole process at the beginning for you? When I came, I didn't know about any community, about any Jewish community or anything else. I felt that I arrived home. That was the feeling. I had a story that I think I, on the first time before I was still in, I was still in hotel and I went to visit in the central market. And I've seen the, I think it was in, yeah, it was in the, the fish area. And I was looking there and I see a huge table with shrimps. And I'm looking at the shrimps and I said, fine, okay. It looks amazing, like taking photos, whatever. And the guy is saying, you can buy, you know, it's like, you can have some. I said, yeah, I would have, but I'm living in a hotel and I don't have where to cook it, even or to prepare it. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Israel. He said, are you Jewish? I said, yes, I am. And he asked me, have you read El Ultimo Judio, the book? The last Jew? I said, no, I am not familiar with that book. But he was the second time that he told me, he asked me the question, because the lawyer, David, asked me the same question if I read The Last Jew. And, and I went to El Cordingles, the, the bookshop, and I searched it in English. I said, the second time I was asked if I read that book, I have to read. I still have it here somewhere here. And, and, and I bought the book in English. And I remember that I stayed in the hotel like the whole weekend. And I read the book. And when I finished the book, I said, I arrived home. I'm at home. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, I seriously felt that I came home. Now, at the time, it, was, it, it sounds crazy. David asked me, invited me to, invited me for a dinner. He said, I want to invite you for a paella dinner. Let's go to uh, near the, the Albufera, the El, El Palmar or something. El Palmar, some, somewhere there, yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember yeah. the yeah. And he said, let's go, let's, I'll invite you for, and I'll pick you up from your hotel. I come with my wife and I will pick you up for, from the hotel. I said, no, no, David, I'll come to your house. Give me your address. I'll come to your house. He said, but you don't familiar, you're not familiar here. Don't worry, I'll come to your house. And I reached to his house. I don't know how, I don't remember. But I reached there, he was surprised. For me, things seem natural. What I see is the reaction of other people. That's what makes me start seeing that there is something weird, okay? And it's fine, okay. And we drove there and we had the paella, we had a bottle of wine. His wife doesn't speak English. So I was driving the car, he was sitting next to me guiding me, directing me, his wife sitting behind, not really involved in the conversation because we are talking in English. We had the, the paella, we had the, the, the wine, and, and after the restaurant, we entering to the car, and I start driving, and everything seems natural. Everything seems normal. And suddenly, his wife is asking him in Spanish, which I understood. She asked him, are you guiding him? He looked at me and he said, how are you driving here? I'm not guiding you. How do you know the road? I said, is something wrong? He said, no, you're driving the right way. But it seems like you know the place. It's the first time being there. And it was night as well. So it's like, so the feeling coming home, yes, it is. It, it's, it's really felt like that. But now, doing what I work today, I know why as well, okay? Because today I'm a clinical hypnotherapist. 
And one of my specialties is past life regression. And I lived here before. In previous lives, I lived in Valencia. In previous lives, I lived in Spain. I know as well I was in Tudela. I lived in Tudela. I was in a place there. Tudela is on the way to Pamplona, north, north of Spain. So I know that because I went there by coincidence and I knew a place. I knew the place. And so I'm, I'm, it sounds weird, I know, but it's part of life. It's, it's being a soul, being the life, knowing things that we've been here before, things that we lived before. So for me, Valencia, it's like, seriously, it's going home. It's coming home. So what I'm, what I'm curious about is you earlier just talked about the feeling of attachment to Israel and sort of you grew up, you experienced a war there. You may have experienced several and you serve and you just, and it's a, it's a very, the Jewish Israeli culture is very sort of close knit and, you know, everybody, a lot of yelling at one another, but also in a familial way. It's like yelling at Not you. yelling, just loud like in Spain. It's very, it's very typical. <laughs> well, we can agree to disagree there. I, I, I have yelled in Israel, I could say. But you had your reasons to turn the page. You had the crises to overcome and you turn the page. I, I don't, I'm not skipping ahead, but I'm just sort of thinking you feel, you feel this such a bond to Spain. You feel like you've come home. Maybe it's not, maybe that's not the right way to put it. It's not the country, but the place feels like home to you. How do you reflect on that? I mean, you're, how do you think about the fact that you're, you were in one, you know, and because in your case, your parents were in another place, Turkey and India, they came to Israel, they eventually went to England, you ended up in Spain, like, how do you, do you just view that as sort of all these layers that we all go through as people and as through our lives? Or how do you think about that fact that you you feel so at home here where you also felt a strong attachment to your previous home? No, no, it's not previous. It's still... I, I mean, it's... So, right, right. Okay, Did, I can say... I, I, let me tell you something. I, I'll rephrase in, in this regarding Israel. You can live out of Israel but you cannot take Israel out of you. And being here in Spain, that's a decision. I was born in Israel, okay? So if I look on life the way I see it now, when I lived in Israel, I was very logic. I was very holding control. That's what I thought everything is in life that we need to hold control. Today, working with the mind, working with people and helping them overcome stress and anxiety, and all the things so I understand, I have a better understanding of the human mind and I'm looking at it in a different way. We are basically, we are a soul living in a body using the mind. Now, why am I going there? Because in Israel was one chapter of my life, the most important one, the most important in aspect that it was the furnace that created who I am right now. Yes, I've learned many things there. I learned a lot of things also in spirituality, in the spirituality world. And, and it's part of who I am. All my challenges, all the hard time, all the, the things that really creating the strength, the inner strength in us happened there. I chose to live in Spain. I decided to move to Spain. Whether it's because I saw a different time that I need to have a new place, new luck, whether I need to have a new chapter in my life, whatever it is, I think it's part of the journey that every human being is going in his life, okay? And we know how we start. It's, it's like saying, you know how a war starts. You don't know how it's going to end, okay? It's exactly in our life. I'm using just metaphors, not, not because of a war, but... We know how life starts because we always can see. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So we can create it. Now, I don't have to take with me the past. I can create today what I want it to be tomorrow. 
So I've created being here, being Spanish. I have a Spanish passport. So I'm Spanish living in Spain, but Israel won't get out of me. Probably one day when I'll die, I'll be buried as well in Israel. Probably. Big chance that it will be like that. But that's something which is inside me. Okay? I decided to come here because this is part of who I am now. This is part of what I'm doing right now. But I'm working with all over the world, all around the world. It's four years that I'm using my method based on hypnosis and using Zoom all around the world. It's here. It's become more available, more easy for me to do it, more correct. That's who I am. That's what I do. Well, and you've also built... I, you have a new profession, or I mean, a profession that you did not have before. You have a family here. You have uh, you have the language skills now. I mean, you've there's that emotional connection. But how, like, when did you? Where did you meet your wife, for example? Or where's your wife from? Is she from Spain, or is she where is she? No, she's not Spanish. My wife. My wife was born in Morocco. She's Jewish. And she, she was in Israel. She went to Israel, immigrated to Israel, I think, 10 years before I met her. And when I came here, I was like, when I moved in 2000, it was funny, but I, I, there was a Jewish holiday, the, the New Year, and my father said, listen, don't stay there by yourself. Come to London. So I took a flight and just for the holiday. And those days, uh, David, the, the lawyer, rented for me an apartment. And when I came back after the holidays, so we just transferred the, the signatures and everything. So he was basically my assistant in, in this aspect. And I moved into a house in the north part of Valencia, in Blasco Ibanez, near Blasco Ibanez, Ramon Yul, Blasco Ibanez, oh, yeah. that area. It's a nice area. We, live, we basically live in that area. So, yeah. Okay, so that's the first year when I came to Spain, uh, Valencia. So I had the apartment there, and I had my stuff there already, but I didn't really know what I'm going to do. So the first thing which I did, I took two weeks Spanish school, and that's the only education we have, official education in Spanish. Okay, but the rest of the thing I studied by myself, like talking with Spanish, and that's why it's not perfect grammatically, but I can, I can, I'm communicating. I also, I taught, I was teaching in in Spanish, sorry. So I was teaching diving in Spanish when I had my school, but I didn't know yet that time what I'm going to do. So I spoke with a friend of mine in Israel and I said, you know, I'm, I have some hard time. I need to decide what I'm going to do. Because I have, I think I had like three or four options which I listed for myself. What is going to be my new life in the new place, right? And he said, you know, I think that you should do what you love most. I said, okay, I love most my, my hobby at the time that was diving. I was already a diving instructor. So I said, you know what, I'm going to open a diving school. I never thought about it. And I, start, and I started to check the possibilities about it. I had a meeting with Paddy because I was a Paddy instructor and I started traveling around in the Costa Blanca and the Marina Alta and to see where I'm going to have the diving school. I was searching for a port, a place, a mooring for a boat, a future boat. I didn't have any boat yet, but I was the, the plan was I need to find a mooring for a boat and then I'll, I'll create the dive school about around it. And there was no, and there was no, there was no, any, any port, Calpe, Javia, Denia, wherever, all the places when I, Moraira, I went to check. And, and then I said, I spoke with David and I said, you know, I'm searching for the port and I don't find any. He said, there is no place for mooring. He said, yeah, there is in Moraira. I said, no, there is no. Yeah, there is. I said, you know what, if there is, Call them, arrange it. And he calls and say, hi, this is David. I'm the lawyer blah, 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 from Valencia. 
I'm looking for a mooring. Oh, yes, sir, of course, you have a mooring. I said, what the hell going here? When I went there and asked, there is no, and suddenly he's saying yes. I said, okay, fine, understood. I said, you know what, David? You're going to, to be in charge of arranging everything, which is look, based on, on relationship with the locals. I'm, I'm the giri. I'm the foreigner. I'm the stranger. Okay, so I'm not going to find an open door yet. And he arranged the mooring. He arranged, we found, I found, a, I saw then in Moraira, I, I love Moraira from the first time when I was visited along on the, along the coast, I've, I've been in Moriah, I went to Moriah. I said, wow, that's amazing. And then I saw, I went to start visiting. After I had the potential mooring, like I have a promise now arranged by David that I have a mooring for my boat. So I'm going, now I need to find where it's going to be the, the center, the dive shop. And I saw a local a place, two shops actually. It was Alquiler, rent. I went there, I looked at the area, I said, mm, I like it, it's good, it's in front of the sea. I poured the sign, I went back to my car, I called David, I said, David, write this number down, and he wrote it down, he said, what's that? I said, call them and rent the place. He said, yeah, you can do it, you already speak Spanish. I said, no, 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 you're going to do it. And he ran, we, we had the meeting, we went together to the meeting, we closed the place and I started building up. And at the time, more or less, I felt like too lonely. And I went into a dating, internet dating uh, system. Now you say you're in Spain, you're in Valencia. Why don't you go into a Spanish one? No, no, I went to Israel. I don't know why. I don't know why. And I met my wife there, who became my wife later on. And so I met her there. And I said, listen, I'm divorced. I have kids, I have this story, I'm in Spain, and uh, this is who I am. Take it or leave it, what's called. And okay, we're conversing and we're talking, and there was not even the time there was, you remember the program ICQ? Of course, ICQ. Okay, we're talking over 20 years, about 20 years, not over, 20 years. So we were chatting on ICQ, and then I I was building, actually, I, built, I was building the, the center by my hands, okay? I, I built everything there. And I had, like, almost 200 square meters outside and inside, indoor and outdoor. So it was quite a big center. I planned everything. I planned the shop. I planned the school. I planned the rented area. I planned the technical room lockers, whatever. So it's, I started building it and showers, everything. It was amazing. It was amazing school. It was the biggest at the time. It was the biggest. There was not any diving school at that side. Size, sorry. And I started building the things, started having the things. And then I said, you know what? I'm moving. David arranged to me, arranged me instead. Because that time building, I was still living, I lived in Valencia driving every morning to Morara, coming back to Valencia. And that's 250 kilometers at least every day. So I said, you know, it's about time that I live near Morara. And David had some contacts in the nearby villages. And I rented the apartment, the house. It was a house. It's a, it was a village house in Senija, in a small village near Benissa, behind Benissa, the mountains. And, and I moved there, and then I spoke with my, who became my wife. My, she's in Israel, never saw her. She never saw me. We're just chatting. And we closed. I said, listen, you know what? I'm, I'm moving to the village. Probably I won't have the contact. I don't have a phone line in this, that village house still. So story short, she came a few months later, and I said, and that's it. And, and then she moved back to, she went to Israel, arranged things, and she came back here. And we worked together. And a few years later, we got married. Very, very happy ending. Very happy story. I mean, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's both modern technology, because you're talking about online dating sites and older technology in ICQ and not being able to do a video call or whatever else. I don't think she would agree, even if there would be a video, which she would agree to have, <laughs> knowing her. <laughs> like, no. It, worked out. it was perfect for the time. 
So maybe a last question then. You you have a you have a daughter here, correct? Yes. So how is what now? How does she she was born here? Like how does she how do you observe her balancing we've talked about Israel, Morocco, obviously Jewish is kind of in there, Spanish. Like how does she when you what's her native language? Like how does she fit into where she is? Because that's interesting as the next generation. What's her native language? That's a very difficult question because she speaks five languages. She speaks Hebrew like Israeli, even using slang. And I ask her, how the hell you know this slang? Because sometimes I'm not saying that slang even. And so she doesn't have any accent in Hebrew. She, has, she speaks like Israeli. She speaks French. That's where the two languages that she starts speaking because we decided, my wife and I, that she speaks with her French, that's her mother tongue language, and I speak with her Hebrew. And she just took it from the first time. And it, it's funny, it's, it's funny. When I had the diving school, she grew up on, on the stairs of the diving school there. And crawling in the diving school, she lived in the diving school. We had the, the, the trolley and the, 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 I forgot the word in English, to keep the kids inside. Uh, so we had- Oh, yeah, yeah. The, like the, the cart, the, the little playpen. Cart, yeah. So not like the small jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like a playpen, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like to keep them in one place. So she had it in the diving zoo. It was so funny because she grew up on the hands of the inst diving instructors and the guests and the, the clients and everyone. So it's like very open. And so she speaks Hebrew and French the first time. And we had a local friend, a Spanish woman, and she came and she saw her like moving between the two languages. She was, I think, two, two and a half, something like that. I said, oh, poor kid. It's so difficult to speak so many languages. Whoa, what the hell? Why? It's so easy. Look, people, we tend to think in our mind. We explain. We explain how we, it's going to be hard for us. And for her, it was so natural. Now, she speaks in Moraira. She went to school, to kindergarten, and they were talking Valenciano. So she learned Valenciano. And she was studying as well. She learned as well. Castellano, Spanish. And we were driving to England and she saw the television and she learned by herself English. And now she is talking in English here at home like she's with an English accent. <laughs> okay, so, so she is, speaks Spanish perfect. She speaks Valenciano very good. She speaks Hebrew, French, English, whatever. So it's languages. She speaks more than me. Right. Do you think she would be if 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 I, you were to ask her how do you think about your identity, Spanish, Israeli? Do you, how do you think she would would she? I mean, she's obviously a young girl, but she sees herself as Israeli and she sees herself as Spanish as well. So it's like I don't think she has any confusion about it. She was born here, she grew up here, she know that's what she knows. I took her to Israel. She went there like before this pandemic, the, yeah. the pandemic. So she went there like every year. She was there, she knows that she speaks. She doesn't have any issue there. Okay, so she managed quite well. And I don't think she have any identity issues. She is adopting whatever she needs. She's looking big. She said, I want to go to learn in Los Angeles, to study in Los Angeles. Okay, whatever you want. That's your life, you know, that's plans. When it comes naturally to you to have the different languages in the different places, maybe home is everywhere. Home is just something that you, you, you don't have home to- Home is everywhere. Yeah. The, the world has become a small village. You know, I, I'll tell you a story. It's funny. Yesterday, I had a client. Okay, she's from, from Israel. And while the, while the session that we spoke, while still talking before the hypnosis, she was telling me, like, I grew up in a certain city, and, and she mentioned the city. And, and I said, where about in that city? She told me the street, and I was smiling, and I said, you know, we were neighbors because I live nearby. And 
I met that woman like a month, let's say a month ago, okay? Because uh, she heard my lecture, I'm giving lectures in Hebrew in Israel, and in Israel, in, on Zoom, so it's in Israel, but now I'm going to start it as well in English, so it's going to be worldwide. And she became a client. She, just, she heard my lectures and she became a client. Now she's talking with me, she's 20 years older than I am, and I said like we lived ne- next to each other, okay? Very proximity, close by. And she said like, I said, I live in that building. So, yeah, but there were the neighbor, she was is my best friend. But the son, the, the son's neighbor, he was my best friend. Like he was my friend. We used to go together to school. I think he's a year, year younger than I am, but but we used to go together to schools. And it was so funny. Suddenly you see, look at the world, and 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 you see that somewhere out of the nowhere. You know the person, he knows you, she knows, probably she saw me as a kid. I'm helping her to overcome her stress issues. She didn't expect that when she saw me then. But, you know, this is, this is the world is, is become a global village. We don't really, we go in countries, closing borders, doing this, doing that, wars, whatever. This is not who we really are, human beings. This is not what we're supposed to do. This, but that's a bit philosophy right now. So, and it's something. Hopefully, as the world heals itself over the next few months, and we get closer to normal, we'll revisit that global vision village and start seeing each other more and more frequently. So, look, I had, I had, um, I am in, a, I'm a member in a networking, a certain networking. And a woman actually, uh, we went to at the beginning before the, the this pandemic. At the beginning, I think it was about the beginning of 2020. And she knew about me. She knew more because she she read who was coming. I didn't even check who was coming to that meeting. And we were sitting next to each other. And I see a beautiful woman and dark skin. And I said, "Where are you? Where are you from?" And she said, "I'm Palestinian." I said, mm, "That's interesting." We're neighbors. And so, where are you from? I said, I'm from Israel. But she knew already before that. She was tricking me a bit, but she knew already because she, I said, I knew later she did homework to know where we are from because she, she heard something about me, what I do as a therapist. And, and she was intrigued by that. She became my client. Actually, she was born in Canada. Her parents came from Lebanon. Her grandparents were in Israel. So that's why she said Palestinian. I worked with her. I don't have any issue with borders. I helped her to overcome her stress in her life, her limitation in her life. And then now, I even after we worked together, she asked me to work with her son, who lives in the Gulf countries. So I worked with, with her son as well. I don't have any issue with that. I, the only thing I had to ask her, I said, just make sure that your son knows that I'm Israeli, in case he doesn't like it. I said, fine, don't worry about it. And we're laughing about it. We reached to a point because I'm to do my what I'm doing, helping people overcome the issues in her life. And what she had was with her ex-husband and other issues, causing a lot of stress. And I'm going in, I'm involved, quite involved with the lives of my clients. We're laughing about it, that we are, you know, we, we say, you know, if your friends knew that I helped you, probably they're going to look at you like crazy. In Israel, it's more open. In Israel, I can play with that. In Israel, they look at me, oh, okay, fine, nothing. Won't say anything. Because we grew up in a different way. My first teacher in the first class in my first school, she was actually was born in Yemen, Jewish. And she said, you know, we need to learn Arabic. We need to learn Arabic because we want to have peace. One day we should have peace. So there is no limitation here. All these words, it's nonsense. Because when you start talking with human beings, with people, no politics, no religion, there's no limitation. We tend to think, we tend to think the same way. We, we want similar things, basically. The education is the education is what causing the other issues. We just need to see beyond the color, beyond religion, beyond countries, beyond borders. 
and we can find the human being. I like that. That's a good way to summarize this story. Jacob, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun hearing your story and all of the stories that come with it. And so thank you for taking your time today to thank you, speak with thank us. You. Thank you for listening to Voice of Migration, Votes Migratorias. Follow us and subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, Evokes, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend. Today's music is courtesy of Avishai Cohen, of Pharaoh's Daughter, Robo, Blatoslato, and the Sylvia Tomas Trio from Free Music Archives, and Daniel Michaelak for the new intro music. Voice of the Migration, Votes Migratorias, is a production of Shortman Studios with the hosts Amy Mortensen and Daniel Schwartzman. Season 1 episodes are primarily in Spanish, but next week's episode will again be in English. See you soon. Que no, que así que no trabajo.